Gamecocks Now. It's the ultimate USC sports newsletter. Get inside access to all Carolina sports year-round. Written by Post and Courier reporter David Kloniger, Gamecocks Now includes insights and experience from his over 20 years on the beat. You won't find this from anyone else. Plus, subscribers get access to all Carolina and Clemson sports stories on the Post and Courier's website. Start your two-week free trial today at postandcourier.com slash Now. How's it going, everybody? David Kloniger with the Charleston Post and Courier and Go Gamecocks. I'm sorry, Gamecocks now, the newsletter. Uh, welcoming you to another edition of Countdown to Kickoff. Uh, we're going to wrap up the Missouri loss, preview the Auburn game on Saturday, and then talk a little more about whatever we can find. Uh, my guest today, I'm sure you, you know him already. He needs no introduction. 1992 SEC freshman of the year, one of South Carolina's most legendary quarterbacks, not only in throwing the ball but in sporting the most glorious mullet ever seen on a college football field, Steve Tannehill. Steve, glad you could join me. How you doing, man? I'm good. How about you, buddy? I can't complain, my man. Well, let's get right into it. I know you keep up uh, with the Gamecocks, uh, you know, ever, ever since you left. And uh, the Missouri game, what was your main takeaway from it? Well, I, I think we could have got on them early, and I think it had been a different game, but we let them hang around, you know, we didn't, we didn't do anything with their turnovers. And it really looked like we tried, to me, we tried too many tricks early. Mm-hmm. And when they didn't work, we just kind of got stagnant on offense. And, and then I, I think we went back to what we've seen all year, which was really inconsistent play in the offensive line and just way too many missed blocks. The fumble handoff was a big, giant momentum play. And to me, that was on the left tackle, not the quarterback or the running back. Um, left tackle whiff completely. And uh, number nine or eight almost took the handoff. So, I mean, just too many mistakes. And and then on defense, I mean, they ain't got but one player. And I know the game plan going into the game was to stop him, but he had 206 yards. So, um, just kind of a lackluster performance coming off such a big win. Uh just this kind of disappointing from a fan side because we, you know, it's a definitely a team I think we could have beat and, and get us that sixth win. Now we're, now we're fighting uphill. Now I think we can, I think we got a chance in both these games coming up, but uh, I'd have liked to have gone ahead and close it out and secure that bowl game last week. Right. You know, Steve, the quarterback, you know, you've been behind the line and, and sometimes things go right, sometimes they don't. Uh, you know, as a quarterback and your line is struggling. What can you say to those guys? I mean, I know that you don't want to dog cuss them or anything like that, but what can you say when, like, hey, guys, I, I need a few seconds here so I can set up the play? Well, I handled it probably way different than, than some of these guys, but I would have been in their face, um, you know, especially if it was the same guy over and over again. I That's just who I was. I I had a different. I had a pretty good relationship with all the guys, and um, that made a difference when you got to talk to somebody in a different way, you know. Because really, you you just put in time with them, and uh, you can almost not coach them, but you're kind of coaching them on the field. And I I just did it way different than probably a lot of guys do. But <laughs> the line's been inconsistent all year. Yes. Me, the quarterback, has to find ways. Um, to manipulate the pass rush to give himself some time. I thought mm-hmm. Jason did that early in the game. <laughs> Excuse me, when he stepped up, 
and moved out of the pocket. As the game went on, he kept spinning to the left, spinning to the left, and that was actually into the rush, into the rush, into the rush. So um, he hasn't played that much at this level, but it's one of those things that, you know, if our coaches understand, and obviously they do, they ought to be teaching him those things on how to manipulate those defensive ends. You know, you can you can take an extra couple steps in your drop to give those defensive ends a point because they're always picking a point to rush to and then step up. Um, there's a lot of things you can do. And he can – he's very mobile. So there's, there's ways that he can, um, you know, like I said, manipulate the defensive ends and the defensive line. And, and that spin move works some, but it, it, it really got us in trouble as the game went on when, when I think it should have been more set them deep and step up underneath them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. I've been saying it all year, Dave. You got Connor Shaw in the building. I mean, flip on some film of him, him because he was real good at it because, one, he wasn't – he's not very big. So his lanes aren't the same. He knew how to get out of trouble to make a throw. Um, I mean, there, there's ways to do it. And, uh, you know, Jason just has to get used to it. Again, he hasn't played that much against SEC competition, so – you know, it is a different ball game from what he was used to at St. Francis. Yeah. And Steve, I was looking at some of the plays, especially when Jason was under center and starting to move some. You could see kind of where they were setting up the screen. You could see where they were setting up a, a play for a guy to do a five-step out and cut in. It just took so long to develop. And I know when the running game's not working, you, you're trying to get the ball out any way you can, but – how can a quarterback try to, you know, alleviate that and say, look, here's the play. I know you guys aren't blocking real well, so here's what we're going to try to do. How can you just speed up that process of saying, get the play running so I can get the ball out? Well, the, you know, when they call the play with the fake action and then the screen to the backside, there's, there's, there's no chance the quarterback can fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just caught us. They caught us in the right call. Um, but you just got to move everything up speed wise. You got to go a little bit faster and you got to know where you're at on the field as well. If you're backed up, you know, from the 10 yard line in, everything has to happen faster because where you're at on the field. Now, if you're at the 50, okay. So you take a 10 yard sack, it's no big deal. But if you're at the 10 yard line or on that end of the field, you've got to move everything a little bit quicker. Um, just because of where you're at. So, again, I think it's setting up plays as the game goes on and setting that pocket so we manipulate the defense and so they're not just shooting to that seven-yard radius all night. And you got to get lucky a few times and catch them in a perfect call on a perfect blitz. Um, and that's just film study. And, you know, again, there's sometimes you call it a perfect play, you get lucky. But we – just that offensive line has just been so inconsistent, especially the left side. And that's the, that's the tough side for it to be inconsistent. That's the main thing I've been pointing out, Steve, to fans who are asking, like, what's wrong with this offense? I said, look, I know they're on their third quarterback this year. I know they've got four good running backs. and None of them can really get in a rhythm. But it doesn't matter who you got behind those guys if the line can't block. And the line blocked against Florida. Now, maybe we were all just filled with false hope from that game, 
But as was proven last week when Florida played Sanford, Florida's just not that good. Now, I don't think USC knew that at the time. I just thought, hey, listen, just quit simplifying or, you know, oversimplifying the offense. Just say, that's my man. Go block him in front and see what you can do. And the offensive line just simply hasn't been doing that. I mean, that seems to be a fundamental problem, you know, that, that goes back to the very base layer of the scheme. And after 10 games, Steve, can you fix a problem like that in two weeks? No. That, well, after two games, <laughs> if it's not fixed, you find somebody else. Um, but obviously that situation, that's maybe we're, we don't have anybody else ready to go. So we're, we got what we got, but um, I think that's one of the main things that I think headed into recruiting and the transfer portal is finding, finding some tackle, especially a left tackle that, you know, can really play, you know, on my radio show up here in Spartanburg, just about, we do a tough guy of the week. Every week I pick the quarterback of South Carolina because <laughs> the play back there, I think he's got to just hear his name called and go in. You've got to be pretty tough knowing what's about to happen to you. And I gave it to Jason Brown one week and he just played a little bit because if you're the third stringer and you're going in because the other two guys got hurt, obviously you've got to be tough to just go in that game thinking, well, three's the two, I'm going to get hurt too playing behind that. So, um, it's a tough situation. Hey, I, and I went through it my sophomore year. I think I got sacked like 45, 50 times. Um, it just happened. If you don't have the guys, you don't have the guys and nothing against the guys we got. If the SEC, I mean, this is big boy foot, football and the defensive ends that we play week in and week out are all pretty much all four or five stars. A lot of them guys play the next level. It's not like we're playing UConn or UMass every week. You know what I mean? Um, we're playing talented guys and are just – we've just been very inconsistent on the offensive line. And I think we have four really, really good running backs. And if you just watched as a fan this year, you wouldn't know that they're that good because, again, you can have – and you said it, and I used to tell my guys the same thing. There's no Emmett Smith as the all-time NFL leading rusher without those five guys in front of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it, it doesn't happen. I mean, it, you, you can go to any high school game in the country. If the team's throwing the ball around or they have a great running back, a lot of times their offensive line's pretty good. If they're just terrible, you don't have, you know, football's a team sport. One guy can't, it's not the NBA or basketball where one guy can control the game. You've got to have help. And right now, and throughout the season, our offensive line has just struggled. I know it's, it's a crazy idea, Steve, but hear me out. I mean, we've uh, USC has been running a lot of two tight end sets this year. They've utilized the fullback on occasion. With this line being the way it is, is it getting to the point where you could just put in two tight ends and a fullback on every play, group them around the offensive line, not just beside them, but a little behind them, and saying, look, you got one running back and one receiver or two receivers and no running back. But this is what you got to do to have to block because they, the, the five down linemen sure can. Is it feasible to even think about running an offense with that kind of limited personnel if that's what you have to do? I think you can. You know, if you could do it to a certain extent, you could really get the play action involved and then leak those tight ends out. Um. 
you know, coming here to the last two games, you know, using the running backs to chip the defensive ends or using the tight ends to chip the defensive ends. But a lot of our problem hasn't been just straight getting beat. A lot of times we just leave a guy come free. I mean, I've seen a linebacker stand at the line of scrimmage and no one pick him up and they've only rushed five guys. So, I mean, it's just a lot of communication errors and we just haven't been on the same page with the offense line. There's a lot of things you can do. Um, but again, I think number zero is maybe our talent, most talented guy on offense. I've found ways to get him the ball, however that is, um, because he's pretty special with the ball in his hand. Um, and the way Josh Van has played, I mean, he's making plays. So you've got to find ways to get those two guys the ball. And and uh, sometimes it might be one or two-man routes. And, and what well, we used to call it max protect, which, you know, pretty much is eight, eight guys blocking and um, two guys in the route and a quarterback. I mean – there's a lot of things you can do, but again, these coaches are watching film all week, getting prepared. They come out with a good plan, and then, I mean, you got that plan set. And then all of a sudden, your your guys don't perform like you expect them to, and I mean, it's just tough. It's tough to make giant corrections in the middle of a game, yeah. and um, you would hope ten games in that, that we wouldn't be talking about the same problems from two games in, but we are. Skipping ahead to, to Auburn this week, Steve. I mean, everybody knows what the Tigers are going to do. They're going to try to run the ball with Tank Bixby, very special talent. And of course, everybody knows their offensive coordinator is Mike Bobo, who was here last year and ran the ball real well, so they're going to do it the same here. They do have a quarterback switch, which I've said is not the great news you're thinking of. If Bo Nix was starting this game, South Carolina would be like, okay, cool. I mean, he came here last year and threw three picks and USC won. No big deal there, but it's not. He's out for the season with an ankle injury. T.J. Finley's going to start, and T.J. Finley was the guy who started at LSU last year against South Carolina and beat the tar out of him. So you look at Tank, you look at T.J. Among the two, Steve, who's the guy you got to concentrate on the most? Well, I mean, hopefully we don't use the same game plan we used last week to stop Missouri's leading rusher. Um, but – you got to take away the run game. Um, you know, you got to stop. You got to stop the tailback. It's got to be first priority. Um, the quarterback hasn't played much. You know, the way that Bo Nix has played. You know, once he got benched, he was he was playing pretty well. Um, I'm kind of as a looking at Carolina side. I'm glad that Nix isn't in there because he can do so much outside that pocket and extend plays, and he can also run. And uh, I, I think we have a better chance coming into it. And, and you know, in, the, in this, this weekend's Mike Bobo Bowl. So um, I, I think we know what they're going to do. You know, it's just whether our defensive line shows up and, uh, you know, our linebackers want to, you know, play downhill and make tackles. We got to tackle better. I mean, you, you can say we got to tackle better in that, two yard to seven yard range. And uh, this ain't the guy to be going up there, you know, intimidated because he can run. You know, he, he's one of the top, I think, four or five running backs in the country by far. And uh, he's better than the kid at Missouri, I think. And that worries me a little bit, but I think you can take out having to prepare for Bo Nix, all the things he did outside the pocket. 
And now maybe this helps us just, hey, let's shut down the run, make the quarterback and those receivers throw it 35 times to beat us. Defensively, Steve, what does Auburn bring that looks concerning? I mean, I know with South Carolina's offense this year, kind of everything looks concerning because you just got to be able to score. But is there an area that, that you've seen from Auburn's games or, you know, any Twitter highlights, anything like that that says USC can exploit that weakness? I, I haven't watched Auburn but about four or five games, and I haven't, I haven't really watched them like that. Again, I think we've got to find ways to get Josh Van the ball and number zero. I don't care how that is, but they are exposed. The way Vans played, you wouldn't even know he was on a team last year because last year he did nothing. But he is – and I give a lot of credit there to Coach Stepp, bringing him along and getting him ready because he's really played well. But I think we got to find ways to attack them. And we, we have to attack them. Don't let them dictate how they're going to attack us. So going into the game as the offense coordinator – I would find things that I've saw on film throughout the year that we can do and, and use that to attack them. I'd like to see us throw the ball down the field more. I understand that's hard because we don't have that much time. But if you are just running one-man routes or two-man routes and max protected, I think you can take some shots. We also have number 13, who's 6'7". How about we take a shot with him? Um, and, and I think the key for me going into this week, honestly, David, I think our defense has to play well early in the game and create a few turnovers. If you go back to the win against Florida, the turnover before the half sealed the game. Yes. I don't, if that play doesn't happen, I think Florida goes into the locker room thinking maybe we can still win. But how that play happened, and it was really a hustle play. I mean, let's be honest. It was just a great, a great play because I think it was 15 – hustle and uh, made the play, but that changed the game. So we need to play early in that game in the first or second quarter. Once that happens, the game changes. And, you know, you, you mentioned the missed tackles last week on Tyler Beatty. Obviously, he's a really good player, leads SEC in rushing, but missed tackles really hasn't been a problem this year for USC. It's what's made Clayton White's job with the defense so good. Not only have they been getting multiple takeaways in almost every game, they've got, is it four, yeah, four defensive touchdowns and should have had five or six. I mean, that the defense has played overall this year, but last week in Missouri, you saw the missed tackles happen. I know that, uh, you know, uh, Coach Holtz, you know, after you played, was very big on this, you know, telling guys to go and, like, tackle an oak tree or something. Just, to, you know, but you've been there, Steve. You've coached in high school, you know – when things aren't going well in the middle of a season, what can you do specifically with tackling to say this has to get better and this is how we're going to correct it? Well, the way to prevent missed tackles is have group tackling. If you get a bunch of guys to the ball, if one guy misses, there's still, still somebody there. I think our problem is our, <laughs> excuse me, our defensive backs sometimes are high. And as a defensive back, you know, you, if you go out there to how Pete Carroll talks about tackling, it doesn't matter how you tackle, get them on the ground. Yes. And that's one thing a defensive back has to do is you don't have to light them up. You kind of just got to hang on and find a way to get them on the ground. But to me, you fix tackling by getting four or five guys to the ball, especially if it's the running back. It's a lot easier to get four or five guys to the ball if it's a handoff. Now, throw on the edge, again, like I said, as a defensive back, 
any way you can. Use the sideline to your advantage, but get them on the ground. But um, our tackling wasn't good last week. And, uh, you know, our defense has played well at times this year. Really, really, it's been pretty much the bright spot. Um, I'd like to see 12 a little bit more involved this week up in there. I thought last week he was um, at the free safety position a lot, and I don't think he played his best game back there. I'd like to see him down in the action. I think he's better around the action um, because he, he's really had a great season. But, again, this game is going to come down to, again, our defensive line and, and how our linebackers fly around and make tackles. And we don't give up the big play. Make them work for everything they get. And, and, and on offense, we got to do a good job of not going three and out and changing the field position. So um, I, I love the matchup. I think we got a great chance Saturday. Um, I'm coming. I haven't, I haven't um, I've only made one game this year for many reasons, but um, I'm going to be on the sidelines. And I, I think it's, I think it's an opportunity, especially a Saturday night in Williams Bryce. There's nothing like it. And I think our crowd will be crazy and we got a chance if we can just, uh, some big play there early in that first or second quarter. Yeah. That, and uh, as you mentioned earlier in the show, I mean, that big play could have been held at Missouri when they're driving down there. It's already seven to nothing. They got the ball inside the 30, going to hand off to Lloyd, see if you can score your 14 to nothing, and maybe Missouri gives up. But that fumble happened and, you know, off to the races. But it happens. Uh, that one's over with. Auburn's this weekend. Steve, to win one of these two final games, South Carolina would be bowl eligible for the first time in three seasons. How much of a real tangible foundation would that mean for Shane Beamer in his first year? Well, I think it's giant because, it, I mean, if you go to Vegas, they didn't have us the, – the over-under was four wins. So to get to mm -hmm. six and get to a bowl game, it gives you another month of practice. Um, just the opportunity for those kids to – especially the seniors – and I know that's not building for the future, but to know that you've you've done better than expectations on the first year coach and uh, the opportunity to go play in a bowl game. There's nothing like playing in a bowl game, especially in the toughest conference in the land. So I think it's big. Um, I think, you know, I think we got a chance in both two games. When's the last time that we really sat here and said we had a true chance against our upstate rivals? I think we do. Um, I definitely think we do if we beat Auburn on Saturday. I think it makes next week's game even bigger with, with maybe more confidence. Um, but you got to win <clears throat> one of these last two. And uh, but I think we can. This team has this team has done a lot more than I expected. To be honest with you, as a fan, and I think Coach Beamer's done a great job. Just if you take the Vanderbilt game, which I thought we should have beat them by thirty, but we didn't. But and I tell people this, this is what you you know you, you think about Zeb the coach coming in and leading us back, but it wasn't that. It was the defense not giving up and holding it to that field goal. They gave us a chance to have the opportunity to come back. And I think that's those guys believing in each other and what Coach Beamer's doing. And we held them to a field goal and we go down and score and win by one. But it came down that defense could have very let them go in there for a touchdown, and then the game's over. So. Um, I look at where Coach Beamer has taken the mental state, and I think we've, we've played two dud games. I mean, Texas A&M was terrible, and I think we played terrible at Tennessee. Um, but you throw those two games out, I mean, we've really had an okay season, and, and they fought every game. And that's what you want. 
you know, I've taken over three programs as a high school coach. And that first year, you're just like, man, I just want to have a chance. I just want to be in the yeah. game. And uh, we, I think this year we've done that, minus the two two games. It, even looking at Georgia, we, we hung around with them for a little while. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're the best defense in the country, best team in the country. So um, getting to a bowl game would be monumental for, for him in his first year. But I don't think – if we don't do it, I don't think all is lost because going into the season – Everybody knew what was what we were looking at. You don't have a definite quarterback. We're going to come out of the season without a quarterback. But, <laughs> but we're going to know – Coach Beamer and his staff are going to know exactly what they needed to go get. I think recruiting is going well. Beating Clemson or beating Auburn would just be like beating Florida. It, it's one of those games where around the country and on ESPN and everything, they're like, oh, my goodness, South Carolina won. But every kid sees that as well. And so you, any possible recruit is watching that saying, hey, I could go. If, if I was a four or five-star offensive lineman and I wanted to play in the SEC and I knew I couldn't sit the bench because I couldn't handle it, kind of like how, how I did it when I was a freshman, I knew I couldn't sit the bench, so I went to an SEC school and played right away. If I was an offensive lineman, I'd pick South Carolina, go there, start next year, and, and play four years. That's what I would do if I was a competitor. So I think Coach Schumer has a lot of a lot of good things going for him. I love what he's doing. Um, I'm behind him 100. percent And uh, I I really think we have a chance Saturday, and I think we have a great chance the following Saturday. Obviously, that that win would be huge to go to any bowl, and you know how special a bowl can be. We've talked a lot about you know your career, Steve. You and I, and I, I've always uh, you know talked about '92 mostly. I'd like to ask you about the 94-95 season because you guys did go to the bowl and you won the very first one in school history. One, you know, how exciting was it to go to Miami and know you were the starting QB in that game? And two, you know, did you guys talk about USC streak and bowl games while you're preparing for that one? No, we never mentioned it. It was brought up a lot by the media um, because they hadn't been to a bowl game in a few years. So it was obviously brought up. But we were going through the same thing. We had a new coach, too, that year. Yeah. Um, and so we fought some up and downs in that year. We started out real hot, cooled off, and we had to beat Clemson that year to go to a bowl game um, at Clemson, and we did it. And, uh, you know, if you go back and look, those two wins, as far as my resume, two of the funnest weeks, you know, of my four years at Carolina was, you know, beating Clemson to get into the bowl game, then obviously the bowl game. But a bowl, a bowl game's fun. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of laid back. But it does give you more time to practice. Yes. And, uh, I mean, that's a big thing. It, it, and it gives young guys or some guys that are nicked up or banged up the opportunity to maybe come back and play. And winning a bowl game special. I mean, especially for us, we haven't been to one in a couple of years. A win in a bowl game propels everything into the offseason. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got to get there first. But um, – you know, going to we and, and again, if I if they'd have started me one game sooner, we'd have gone to a bowl game in '92. But um, you know, in '94 was a special season, and again, first team to ever win it. But we were seven and five. Mm -hmm. We finished seven and five. But people look at that year as, oh my goodness, it was so unbelievable because we beat Clemson and and then won the bowl game. So, you know, a lot of things can happen these next two weeks. Um, but the kids got to come out there. And they will at home. It, 
having both these night games, man, is the perfect thing for us um, as the university because to bring a recruit down there to watch a night game is just, if you're a recruit and you stand there and watch it, it's unbelievable. Those students and those white towels and, and, uh, Or Steve talking about the 1995 uh, Carquest Bowl, the first uh, bowl win in South Carolina's history. He was named game MVP, had a couple of great celebrations uh, during that game. And, you know, it was the end of a, you know, remarkable year. Good, strong team that they had. But first year under Coach Brad Scott, they didn't really know what they were going to have. They end up winning seven games, destroying Clemson at Clemson 33-7 that year, and then going down to Miami and beating West Virginia in the Carquest Bowl, 24-21. Uh, looks like Steve's phone kind of blinked out of us, but we're right at the end of the program anyway. So, again, I'm David Kloniger with the Post and Courier and Gamecocks now. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, all year and tuning in or subscribing to the newsletter. Uh, thanks to Steve Tannehill for joining me today. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you Saturday night at Williams Price for the Auburn game, and then we'll talk to you again next week for Clemson. Y'all take care.